Thank you so much for joining me. We are in the esthetician chat. Tonight, we're going to discuss, are you ready to go solo? So if you're listening to this on my podcast, just let you know, I do record all of my esthetician chats the first 30 minutes, and that is what turns into my podcast. You can always join me live on Instagram. You can always join me and re-listen to those podcasts. Just go to Stephanie Lanes and uh, Google Stephanie Lane's podcast and my podcast will pop right on up. So tonight we're going to talk about a really sensitive subject, which is deciding on when you want to go solo. And then really, are you ready? Because I find that a lot of beauty business owners who especially come out of school who may not have gotten a job, but they definitely want to go solo. There's a lot of things that get kind of ignored and not paid attention to when someone decides to go solo. Like I have seen so many estheticians focus so much on getting their space that they actually don't understand that getting a space has to really make sense for the long run, right? I've spoken about this on my podcast, on my YouTube channel, on my Instagram, when I go live talking about people who tend to rent on a weekly basis from studio. uh, So, you know, all these little mini studios that you can go ahead and rent your space from, you actually pay more than people who rent on a monthly basis. And the problem with a lot of people is that they get so, uh, I would say, bamboozled or just distracted with the ease of getting your studio space and paying a weekly rent But when it comes down to the numbers and actually looking at how much you're paying, you're paying way more. And so um, a lot of people are kind of uh, confused when I say this, especially people who rent. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of people that offer rent weekly. Let's do the math. When I did my masterclass talking about your cost per service, I encourage people to break down your rental space all the way down to the hour. So when you factor in how much you're going to charge for services, that service is also going to cover a portion of your rent, right? A lot of people don't realize that they pay so much more on a weekly rate than if they were on a monthly. The other thing that I really encourage is kind of getting outside of the box. If you haven't listened to any of my YouTube channels, and I actually have done um, a specific esthetician chat on this years ago, talking about how I had two different tanning salons and had huge rooms and paid $300 a month because I did not want to get stuck into that salon or studio spas or any of those locations where I felt like I would need to fight with people to get clients. I wanted to go somewhere where I knew clients were, but kind of have a spin on it. And for me, tanning salons were so easy because no one thinks about tanning salons. They don't understand they have lots and lots of space. Some of them are extremely very nice and you can negotiate. Um, So both locations, my first location, I paid $250 a month. And the second location, I had a really large room. It was like a 25 by 20 room. Um, I had my own, um, spray tan space as well. And I only pay 300 bucks for a month for that. So I always encourage to kind of look outside of the box when you start looking at space to do business um, and not really get sucked into, you can only have your business in these locations because of A, B, C, and D. The other thing that I always like to talk about, especially when you're deciding to go solo is, do you have enough income? Do you have enough money? Because I can't tell you how many estheticians come into our storefront and have a conversation with me when they're, you know, getting ready to open and they come in and they spend all of this money with no clientele. And it's always fascinating to me that 
you know, it's nothing wrong with startup money, but did you factor in your startup money on maybe not having clients for an extended period of time? And some of that startup money is going to go to cover a rent where you're not earning any income. Like I asked those very specific questions because I do think that when you understand going solo, you typically want to go solo with existing clientele, right? Even though everyone says, oh, you might sign a non-compete or you go work someplace and your goal isn't to, you know, take their clientele. But your goal should always be that the minute you decide to go solo and on your own, that you have existing clientele to actually provide income to where when you move, your income is already kind of covered in your cost per service because it's kind of you're moving from one location to another and you're still continuing services. There's a big difference with moving with clientele to your own location versus starting over and building your clientele because there's going to be a lot of points in your day, week, or month where you have no clients. So what do you do then with that income or lack of income? Do you, you know, only go part-time? Do you jump in head first and say, I'm going to do this full-time? Like all of these decisions are things that people don't really talk about. They get so excited over buying equipment and buying products and buying, uh, putting down deposits for their location, but no one talks about the actual day-to-day, the hourly income. Like no one ever wants to talk about those things because all oh, the people will come. But unfortunately, I've seen this. I'm now in my 18th year, coming on 18 years in April of being an esthetician. And I have numerous experience with people who have shared with me that they they struggled for a long time and then had to give up their dream after wasting thousands of dollars on their dream, but they didn't actually execute a plan. There was no strategic plan to go solo. Um, They ignored the cost per service suggestion. They ignored understanding the rent. They ignored understanding that no clients mean no income. So it wasn't a true strategic plan. It was kind of let me jump into the water and see if I can swim. And some people just didn't swim. They drowned. And it's it's very disheartening when you see that there's so much information now on making sure that, especially in our industry, when you're going solo, you know, I love ASCP. I'm a partner with ASCP Insurance. And they are great with giving lots of information and lots of tools at your hand on top of you being insured and having your business insured on top of that. I partner with them. Like I give a $25 off to um, people who want to partner with ASCP. I've had that insurance pretty much since I've been an esthetician. So, you know, I, I love all of the information that they give, but they have magazines and they have articles and they have websites that you can go to and just really start to understand the importance of knowing all the information before you take that leap into opening a business. Because even if you open a business in a solo, you know, room, it's still your business, right? And there's a lot of things that go into it. But I find that so many people just jump with no plan, no strategic plan, and then they get in the situation and they really get in trouble. And then they're like, well, I'm going to keep the room, but then I'm going to work. And I'm going to work so I can pay for the room. Like I've heard that many, 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 many times. And I always just kind of look at them like that's a plan that's going to be difficult because typically when you're starting off, it's hard because you're really at the mercy of people's time, like not your time, but their time. So if you are allowing yourself to have walk-ins, you got to be available for a walk-in. So getting a job just to pay the rent to keep the space is kind of counterproductive a little bit. when 
your clientele wants you to be available. When you build the clientele and you have consistent clientele, then you can kind of cater it a little bit to your schedule, what you're willing to do, days you're not willing to stay late, days you may open early, but you can cater it a little bit more. But that also takes time. So when we start looking at the bigger picture of actually going solo, there's a big lead up to that jump, right? There's a big strategic lead up before you take the leap and go give somebody some money and get a key. But I find people just run through no plan, no strategic plan, no conversation with anybody. I'm just going to get this room. And then there's, they have a room and they're just spending money and it's just bleeding because there's no clientele to bring in the income. It's just all going out in expenses. And then eventually they either give up the room and then they go work for someone, but they, you know, then become very gun shy into trying it again later on down the road when they kind of learned some things and gotten some on the job training. And that's a hard thing to, you know, admit to people who, you know, really just want to have something of their own, which I completely understand. Like that was so me. After I had my on the job training, I wanted to get into a situation where I had everything thrown at me. You know, I wanted to deal with clients. I wanted to understand rebooking. I wanted to understand upselling. I wanted to understand back bar. I wanted to understand how to rebook, like all of those things that we're supposed to know um, before I went out on my own because I knew that I had to build up clientele. So my first solo business, I went and opened a studio space with a doctor, OBGYN. Women came in for appointments every 15 minutes. It was in a shopping center. Um, I loved it. Um, and I really built my clientele really, really fast. I did the right things. People heard the music. They could smell all my oils going. I had, you know, service menus in the waiting area. I had different articles for them to read. So like I did all of the things to build it, but I, the strategic plan that I had was I wasn't going to go work on someplace and just rely on walk-ins. I wanted to go and have a collaboration with someone who actually had um, been there for a long time. People love doctors. He's a male OBGYN. He specialized in women who just bleed for no reason. That was his specialty was just hemorrhaging. Um, And I brought a very different aspect to that business. I brought calm. Um, I brought relaxation. As soon as you came in, it smelled different. People were really relaxed just sitting in the waiting space because they were able to see stuff. Like I really took advantage of going solo in the right situation, right? And then in my second space, that's the space where I went on my own and I hired, you know, well, the first space I had team two, but the second place I really was intentional. It was entire my own business. I had my own building. I had like, a, what did I have? Four or five treatment rooms. And um, I had office space. I had waiting area. I had retail space. Like I really went all out, but there were strategic plans. I had worked for a doctor before that. So people came right over from there. Like I always had a plan once I went on my own. I never really took that leap without really thinking about exactly how I needed to execute it. So I'm very grateful that I took my time and didn't jump into it head first. But I feel very bad when I when I talk to or people reach out to me that they didn't have a plan. And what do they do now? And my answer typically is really the same. You know, it comes down to what do you want to do? How long do you want to hold on to the side of the boat? Because the boat is sinking. So how long are you willing to hold on um, before you ask for help? And it's it becomes an emotional response. It's no longer a business strategic thought through response. Now it's emotional because people feel like they failed or they feel like they've wasted money. Um, 
And so that becomes a whole different conversation because now it's 100% emotional. And so I really try to share not only in my podcast, on my YouTube, on my Instagram, even on my Facebook, when I used to do Facebook lives, I really wanted to share my mistakes that I made in the last 18 years so that when people are coming into the industry, they don't make the same mistakes that I do. You know, I don't have to do, uh, or I don't have to share, but I, I like sharing because I do wish I would have had someone that I listened to when I was new in the industry. So I didn't make the mistakes that I made. And that's really kind of my motivation for not only my clubhouse chats, but my podcast, my YouTube, my Instagram, my Facebook lives. That's really my motivation because I do see that people fall into the same hole that I fell in 17, 16 years ago, because no one wants to have open conversations about the tough conversations are you ready to go solo is a tough question because we, in our mind, feel we're ready. We, we have the business mind. We have the income. We've saved up. We have a perfect location. I mean, we think the things are going to go right, but we strategically don't plan. We don't plan for when no income comes in. We don't plan when there's no clientele. We don't plan for our consistent marketing and how we're going to market, even though we're new. Um, we don't come to that conversation, you know, really being honest and say, there's a lot of clients who don't want to go to a new person. They don't want to go to a new hairstylist. They don't want to go to a new nail tech. They definitely don't want to go to a new esthetician. So how do you get over that, right? It's hard to get past the glitz and glamour of going solo and getting to the meats and bones of everything, right? And the meat and bone is really that specific question. Are you ready to go solo? Because it's bigger than just getting a space. It's bigger than buying your product line. It's bigger than getting your equipment. Is what do you do when there's no income coming in, right? What do you do when there's no clients showing up? How do you, you know, position yourself to let people know what you're doing? How consistent can you be in your marketing so that people feel connected to you so that they want to come to your business to spend money with you? Like that's where we have to stop with the facade and the fakeness and really come down to the basic basic. And our basic comes down to the only way we can consistently keep our business and doors open is if we get income. If we don't get any income, it's hard for us to keep those doors open, right? Even if we plan, you know, and going solo, like I said, is a big leap with no clients. The building phase of building trust with clientele is a phase that many of us don't discuss because it's two things. In the beginning, when you don't have clientele, people don't want to talk about building clientele. We don't, we don't talk about it. It's hard. So why would we, you know, dwell on it? The ones that do have clientele, you're so busy, you're not going to talk about what it was like because you want to forget it because it was so tra so traumatic. You don't talk about when you didn't have clientele. So there's a big gap in between no clients and then full books. We don't talk about the in-between where there's some days we have clients or some weeks we don't have clients. We don't talk about the lack of income. We don't talk about the lack of promotion or understanding how we build relationships, right? So that clients come back and they tell their family and friends and they, you know, encourage the people that they know to visit us. Like, we don't talk about that. It's literally either you have nobody in your building and so you grind and you put your head down or you have full books. 
So now you're so busy, you don't participate in conversations like that anymore because you're busy, you know, trying to strategically plan, keep your marketing up, keep your inventory up, keep products coming and keep people, you know, rebooking with you. So it's, it's a catch 22 in our industry because we don't have these types of conversations. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about going solo. We don't talk about the struggles of going solo. We also don't talk about when we do get those full books and what it feels like, what we did to get them. We also have a very jealousy based industry where we feel that at some point there's not enough clients for everybody, even though there is enough clients for everybody. And then the other part is, is that we don't, you know, ever want to share our experiences because it'll make us look a little bit vulnerable or it'll make us look like we didn't know what we're doing when in actuality, we did not know what we were doing. So I really, you know, I really try to encourage people to understand that at some point, those of us who've gone and and left either um, right from school and opened their own business or went and got a job and worked for someone and got on the job training and then went on their own, there is a huge process that happens there. And then there's another big milestone when the books become full and consistent. And then how do you balance that? Like, we don't like to talk about it. And I've always really had a fascinating um, conversation with others about their journey to deciding to becoming solo and then how long that actually looked like. Like, what was the time frame between deciding to go on your own and then actually going on your own? And you'd be surprised at the amount of time. There's some folks that'll say it's been weeks or months. And then some have said it's been, it took me years to actually go solo because I was fearful or I didn't have enough income or I wasn't at the place where I felt going solo was the right for me right then and there. Um, Everyone has their own story. Everyone has their own journey. What I want to encourage is that, you know, instead of us in these, you know, Facebook groups or chatting on Instagram um, or even TikTok, instead of us, you know, thinking that we are talking into existence what we want, I would love to see a lot more honesty. Going solo is not easy. The decision is easy, but the execution is what's really hard. Um, And then you have to have the mental part. You got to talk about the mental conversation because there's nothing like going to your treatment space that you've made beautiful and you love and you made it comfortable for you and no one shows up. Or you had, you know, a decent day on your books and everyone cancels. Like we, we, we don't talk about those psychological things that we have to deal with. Or you have a client who completely ruins your day because they either didn't like something and they made it known to you or they yelled at you for some other reason. And so now you got to try to figure out how you can keep your psyche balanced and be ready for that next client. Like all of these things, we just, we don't talk about. We don't talk about going on our own and struggling. We don't talk about not having a plan. We don't talk about not having money. We don't talk about all of these things. But I do think that it's time for us to really get to the meat and bones of a lot of our struggles um, and really talk about it so that we don't see the next generation, the generation after that, fall into the same hole that we did. I mean, I'm talking from 18 years ago, that was way before Facebook, way before Instagram, way before YouTube, maybe not YouTube, but I didn't use YouTube at that point. Um, So, you know, you have some folks that have been in the game for a long time, and we've seen it change from what it used to be to what it is now. And the game has changed. But what hasn't changed 
is the understanding and lack of preparation. That's what's not changed. Or people who have jumped into going solo way too quickly and then struggled for a long time. Like those, those situations, those really haven't changed. Um, I was very fortunate to be able to make the right decisions, even though sometimes even making the right decision, I still made mistakes, but I was fortunate enough to not suffer as much as I could have if I went a hundred percent on my own. Like I really strategically sat down and made, and made plans. Um, but I will say that, you know, the solo option is definitely for me was the best option that I, that I chose. Um, I did not have the freedom that I thought I would. I also did not have the time that I thought I would. And in the beginning, I did not command what I should have commanded for the prices that I was offering. So, you know, it took some time for me to ramp up to what I was charging when I stopped doing services. It took time for my books to get full. Um, but I did still make mistakes, you know, but I do think the decision that I made to go solo and on my own was a great decision for me. Um, but I will say that there still was a lot of mistakes that were made in there. Um, and I've shared quite a few, quite a few of the mistakes that I made, but I would not have changed the way I did it. If that makes sense. I would never have changed me collaborating with the doctor and opening up my studio with the doctor. I would have never have changed that. I would have never have changed, you know, opening another location and having a full team there. And that's how I birthed Smooth Skin Supply and started distributing to other salons and spas in the area. Like I would never have changed it, but it was not an easy process. And it's not as easy as just waking up one day and say, I'm going to go solo. I'm going to go. I'm going to make my own hours. I'm going to build my clientele. I'm going to have my own space, my own key so I can open and close whenever I want. Like that was not the case. Um, but I do want us in our industry to really talk about it a lot more, especially the building phase, because the building phase I find is the most emotionally draining um, time when you're building your business that no one tells you about. You know, um, figuring out how to control your stress when you don't have income coming in. You know, how long do you hold on until you ask for help? And that help may be you getting a second job or that help may be going to family or friends. Like, how long do you hold on for? Um, and is your money issues coming in the way of your growth? You know, for me, I didn't pay myself. So that was definitely a big obstacle that I had to get over because. If I wasn't paying myself at this point, not paying myself means I work for free and I wasn't able, I couldn't work for free and still be able to provide for my daughter and have, you know, what we had, but, you know, you got to have a lot of, um, the tenacity has to be there and the want and the will, but you also have to understand that's going to come with some stuff. You know, my most stressful times in my business was always during the building phase. But I, I didn't understand why it was so stressful, but I also didn't have a plan. My first one, I had a little bit of the plan. Second one, I had a better plan, but I was stressed because I literally was just building, 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 and then providing, you know, for the staff. Because again, when you have staff, you pay the staff first, right? And you pay yourself after. <laughs> no one talked about that. Nobody told me that. I didn't know that I had to pay everybody else to make sure their checks were clear before my own check was clear. Like, all of these things with going solo or, or separating from an existing business and then deciding to go on your own. And then when you decide to have employees, those are all like transitions. We really don't, we really don't discuss. Um, and I find it very interesting that 
the topic that I spoke about, I looked at that YouTube um, that I have on there talking the same thing. Are you ready to go solos from 2016? And people are still watching it. Like I still have views on that video, which is so interesting because it's that topic is something we just don't talk about. We love to encourage people to get their own and we love to perpetuate the lies of freedom and you make your schedule and you can charge what you want, which is not true. But we don't talk about really being ready and having a plan. Um, I like talking about the other side of it because I've gone through it, but I also see a lot of people who kind of get out of the industry because they do jump into that solo game so fast and they run out of well, all of it. They run out of strength, they run out of mental capacity, and then they run out of money because there was no strategic plan to get them from A to B, right? We don't talk about the building stage, which can be two or three years for some businesses. Can you mentally stay in that building phase for two to three years? Like we don't talk about that, right? Can you mentally understand that your ebbs and flows are going to be consistent for two to three years until you truly build a true clientele? But when we do talk about it, it's really people who've already gotten past that phase. So they're talking from, you know, forward looking back like I am now. But a lot of people won't go back to that point because it was so painful. It was so um, just draining to really understand and think about it. And I do. I, I, I know in my business, that was the most stressful time um, was my building phase. And I knew it had to happen. Um, and I did it twice. So I rebuilt, I built one and then left that and then moved an hour from there and rebuilt it again. Um, so I knew what to expect that second time, but nobody talks about that phase because going solo is great. But if you go solo with no clientele, then you're not, you're not going to earn income. Um, and then when we get in trouble is when we are solo and we didn't have a plan, but we're trying to throw ideas out there. And that's when we get in trouble with the discounts. And then we try to go to Groupon to make up and we go to all these different things that really are not going to support your business at the end of the day. Groupon people are, are definitely loyal to Groupon, not you. Um, you're just the opportunity for them to continue to give Groupon money. And I've said that on many, many different occasions. Um, when you're discounting, the discount comes from your hourly rate. It does not come from what you pay for rent. And it definitely doesn't come from what you pay for the products to do the services. So, you know, can you afford to, to give discounts? I've had that conversation with a lot of people. So, you know, it, it's, it's easy to say, I'm going to go solo. I'm going to do this business. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. The challenge comes from the mental part of the day-to-day, -day. the disappointment if no one shows, the disappointment if someone cancels, the disappointment if you were counting on that income and then you didn't get that income. Like Those are the type of conversations we don't have because those are so emotionally painful. Um, you know, I always remember being so hurt when someone would cancel, but not being honest enough with them to let them know that this is how I pay for my livelihood. Like you supporting my business is what helps me take care of my daughter. Like I wasn't, I didn't allow myself to be that vulnerable because I felt that I had to have a facade and, and, and a whole different persona to be this businesswoman, right? Now, the overview was, of course, this supported my family and supported me as a single mom, of course. But I didn't really throw that into people's faces, but I felt it when those clients canceled. Because I'm like, now that money that I was, I was you know, hoping 
and excited to get so that I could provide is no longer here. So instead of me being honest with clients and just saying, you know, when you cancel, you're, you're, you're taking money out of the business, especially if I could have had it with someone else who would be willing to come to the business. But at the end of the day, I'm here to provide services, to provide for my family, to provide for me and my daughter. I think if I had had a little bit more honesty with that, I probably would have had more consistent clientele because I made it so professional that I did not allow people to see me as a mom, right? Um, Or a single mom providing for me and my daughter. Like I did not allow people to see that because the persona that I wanted to project was that I had it all together. However, if I, if I would have been a little bit more vulnerable and a little bit more honest, I do think I would have had less no-shows and definitely less people um, without the understanding of what exactly was happening, right? And I, and I do challenge sometimes when I get people that send me messages asking about, you know, deposits and when people no-show and all of that. And I always question, you know, does your clientele literally know the story of your business and know that this is supporting your family? Do you allow yourself to tell your clientele that, especially as you're building? Like, do they know that you're, you know, the breadwinner or you're a single mom with kids or like, do you allow them to see that side of you so that they understand that they're not just supporting your business, they're supporting your family? Like, have you been able to be that vulnerable? And to be honest, 90% of the people that I, you know, message with or even have conversations with say no. But I find my life lesson in what I would have done differently when I opened my businesses, I would have let I would have been a little bit more vulnerable so that they kind of understand that this doesn't is this you're not just supporting, you know, me at the end of the day. There's kind of a bigger picture here, which is why if you notice there's a lot of family businesses that include their family story on how they came to be. So they share it a little bit more easily so that you're wanting to support because this is a family-based business, right? We tend to kind of really shield ourselves and kind of close off ourselves to that type of marketing or even just conversations because again, it allows us to be a little bit more vulnerable. And I'm saying to all of you, I wish I was a little bit more vulnerable when I was building my clientele and had people understood where I was coming from and what the business was providing, I probably would have had, and I didn't have a lot of no-shows, but I probably would have had less, but I definitely would have had a lot more consistent clientele. So that's something that I definitely wish I could have um, done a little bit different because I do see now that that's huge as a value, like especially in promoting and marketing. You know, I'm a single mom, I have a baby, I'm, you know, providing. And it's so funny, and I I will never forget this, when um, I was working with the doctor, I actually got pregnant and, and was like 10, 12 days overdue, and so I had to be induced. And I worked all the way up to the day before I went and had my daughter, Celine. And so many people because I let everybody know I was on maternity leave, just so supported my business because they had seen me waddling around there for nine months, you know, working on my feet, you know, eight and nine hour days. 
Um, and so when I had her, you know, my clientele was so, they had so many outpourings. Um, and I went back to work too early and my, my dad helped me and I would have her in the back and I would breastfeed her in between clients. And they were like, oh my gosh, I didn't, but they were so supportive. And I really didn't connect that to, um, me as a business owner. Like that was just, I just let them in that blip. Like I let them in that moment in time. I was pregnant. I had the baby. And then I would bring the baby to work for a couple hours when I worked and breastfed and did all of that. And they were so accommodating, so consistent. And then once she was old enough to go to the babysitter, then it went back to just, you got professional Stephanie, you know, like the minute I walked in, that hat came off. I wasn't a mom. I was now your esthetician. So I would encourage you, um, especially if you're trying to decide to go solo, you definitely got to have a strategic plan moving into it. You got to plan for when there is no clientele or no income coming into the business. And then you have to figure out at what point are you willing to ask for help, um, whether that be monetarily help, whether that be help from a, another coach or getting with someone to help you with marketing. At what point are you, do you need to say that you need help? And then you're willing to get help. The other thing is too, is share with your story. You may not, you know, be open to having conversations with every client about your story, but maybe on your website or maybe, you know, on your service menu, there's a little blurb about what this business supports. And if it supports you and your family, that's a perfect way to go ahead and talk about that. So those of you who are on my podcast, I usually only talk about 30 minutes. Then we record here. You can always visit um, my Instagram or my YouTube. You can definitely uh, re-listen to the podcasts that are on here as many times as you want. You want to join my masterclass community, just go to stephanielanes.com and we will see you guys next time.